0: Hi, everyone. My name is Javier. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Higher Llama Future Work podcast. And with me today, I have Miss Virginia. She is one of the hottest recruiters out of the California Silicon Valley area. So, um, hey, Virginia, welcome. And, uh, you know, please please introduce yourself and let, uh, let our viewers know uh, who you are and what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you so much, Javier. Thanks for the compliment. Um, well, as you know, um, I... As you know, the recruiter life is never easy, but um, I have been working um, in hyper growth based startups in the Bay Area for the past um, couple of years. And it has been a ride. It's definitely been a lot. You know, we've gone through amazing momentum to that post we work world to COVID-19 now and it's definitely exciting to see where things are pivoting. Um, I have been working especially on improving processes that help companies for the right talent when they need it and as well as orienting candidates on career advising and interviewing coaching. Um, As I said you know my journey as a talent acquisition specialist has given me a well-rounded background in acquiring talent across many industries uh, including tech tech for good, government relations and international organizations. And my current mission definitely is disrupt and improve startup strategies in hiring to make uh, them streamlined and comprehensive in particular keen in including diversity and inclusion protocols to empower companies and sounds alike. I think that the future needs to have representation now more than ever and it truly matters.
0: <clears throat> So you mentioned representation. Do you mean like diversity and inclusion?
1: Of course. I think that the number one step in order for, uh, you know, people to be well-represented and for people and for others to see themselves in the table is to have visibility and representation. Um, we're facing really interesting times. Um, more, um, if you look at the rate of people living in Silicon Valley, for many, many personal reasons, half of them are women and an overwhelming amount of those women are women of uh, underrepresented communities. So it is definitely a problem. And that's what I'm striving to, you know, help mitigate. Um, we're having we're having a lot of uh, places that preach diversity. But in order to have diversity, you have to create an inclusive community and inclusive workforce, you know, teach your staff about sensitivity, train them about the different opinions and walks of life and why every single one matters in order to create this force that has a broad perspective of the world and therefore will create an amazing product. So yes, a lot of the things that I'm saying are part of diversity and inclusion.
0: Okay, so, so you're from uh, Silicon Valley, California. It's, it's already a very diverse and very open place. But how would you pitch diversity and inclusion um, hiring to, you know, uh, somewhere in the Midwest where diversity is, uh, is a lot less uh, than, you know, like a New York or San Francisco?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually did work in Midwest. I'm a brief Chicagoan myself. Uh, the way I did it is by creating a conversation of, you know, where is the company headed? Where are they going? And, and, and seeing what what kinds of opinions matter to them in order to enhance products and enhance lines of businesses to, you know, increase revenue. And a lot of these times, these conversations were one-sided or one-tracked, and they needed a little bit of a broad spectrum. And that's where diversity and inclusion comes through. There's diversity and inclusion, um, you know, candidates provide a wider view of the world and they have talent from different walks of life. A lot of, for example, with engineering, a lot of them come from boot boot camps that are really well-trained. And so, you know, there's always that bias of CS, uh, you know, the the conversation that is never ending about CS versus boot camp. And I feel that training um, creates grit coupled with a boot camp. And I think that that's what diverse and inclusive candidates bring, especially to places like the Midwest, where might not have that much, you know, that much community. There's definitely that grit involved with a diversity um, candidate that is ready to hit the ground, that is hungry, that will give their all. Um, and I think that is definitely something powerful. And I have witnessed it myself, and I have lifted myself as a diverse uh, candidate where I have provided different points of view based on my experience to my team. And it has been valued and it has actually been thought-provoking and it has actually helped companies think the way they operate, um, think about the way they operate and enhance it. So it's definitely been interesting. And the secret sauce, Javier, is just to implement your testimony, right? And look around you and just you know understand how, understand how things will change, especially now.
0: No, that's really interesting. Um, I, I guess what what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, there's a lot of a lot of companies. A lot of them are looking at hiring talent and building their product. You know, from the bottom line, like either I hire someone very experienced, pay a little more, get a better product, or hire someone low experienced, but get multiple people and get a maybe a decent product if my middle management is good. Um, in this situation, like do do companies look at DNI as like you know something that's going to bring more value and money to the company, or are they passionate about diversifying the workforce? What are you seeing that's more common?
1: I think it's about how you educate a company because a lot of companies might understand that in the in a different manner that might not be uh, beneficial to them, like profit, like cost of candidate, and that's not true. We have wonderful people that ha- are well educated in like prestigious uh, organizations as well as people that are well educated in organizations that are you know technical so i think it's about how a company sees their growth and what they want out of it. I honestly think that it. I, I. honestly think that a company always wants to save money, but they also want to have retention, and they want and they want to excel at you know their growth goals, and, and they want to um, you know be on the green side of their profit. So <clears throat> how you get there, in my personal opinion, is by you know mentoring the way hiring managers think by again, broadening perspectives. And it's about um, different walks of life. So yes, you could think about it from a monetary standpoint, but it's about the cultural contribution and the experience contribution. And that is what makes this community so unique and so necessary.
0: That's awesome. We're really glad to hear that, especially as like a person of color I know, I know how big diversity is for us, and I've been in a few situations where I was one of the, the few diverse people in the company. Right, yeah. and I
1: think that being a few a diverse person in a company, from your walk of life and mine, it's you know it's definitely a, a powerful testimony to help others feel like they have a chance, you know. And as you know, and then we have shared of you know in our many conversations. I had to deal with that as a Latina woman who, you know, might sometimes have a little bit of an accent. It's, you know, you can be perceived as someone who doesn't have an education or whose opinion doesn't matter, or it's not well construed, but that's not true at all. I feel that I had to work full time ever since I turned 18 years old. So I, ca- I have college experience coupled with professional experience. And if you take my broad, view perspective from, you know, having understood the mentality and the grit that a Latin American person has culturally, but as well as my phenomenal American home where, you know, Americans are definitely people who enjoy creating things. So having that fortified creative grit coupled with the professional experience and the college experience makes me Take easy, like easily take ownership, easily take the initiative, raise my hand and be unapologetically me. And I think that's diversity and inclusion. That's what makes us, um, you know, people from underrepresented backgrounds, so meaningful and powerful to enhance companies. And it's not, it's not, and I think that that example is what can be a good attestation to that beyond the words that I'm saying, you understand? Yep,
0: And no, that's really cool. I. I- I think that's definitely another layer, like diversity, including people from different countries and even different cultures in the United States. Um, let, let's jump into something that everyone's talking about, and how has your, you know, we we asked everybody, um, how was your, you know, career pre-COVID, and how is your career now post or current COVID?
1: That's, that's an amazing question, and I'm glad you're asking, and I want everyone listening to understand that we need to ask this so we don't feel excluded or alone. Um, Pre-COVID, I was leading um, the talent acquisition strategy for a company that went through hyper growth. The company grew from one market to four, and I was in charge of hiring all of the sales design um, helping out with the engineering and the go-to-market um, personal strategies, it was definitely great momentum. But, as, but as you know, um, post-WeWork world, there were a lot of things happening in the world of VCs and funding, as well as you know, COVID just coming right at us, uh, where you know, unfortunately, my my career at this company, which I will forever cherish and I love so much, came to an end. And, you know, I went, I immediately was starting to, you know, have momentum and have like five interviews. I had an advanced conversation with someone to partner up in a consulting manner and it all came to a halt. And it was disheartening. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, that's the, the downside of diversity and inclusion a lot of times. You will not get the job in certain industries because there's hesitation, Right. We all have encountered it. And and that's what I felt at first. But then if I looked around me, everyone was going through it. So I never gave up. I turned my interviews and my applications into introductions and cold pitches about myself to try to, you know, just network and talk shop and understand what people are doing, seek mentorship. And these relationships led me to a consulting gig that I am working on um, in a health company. And it's extremely fulfilling. and. It is rewarding to myself and it is a testament to others to see that, you know, if you pivot it a little bit, you can still get work, not the way you want it, but you still can get some work.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, that's, that's, it's great that you landed on your, on your feet and now you're doing well, what do you think is going to happen now that, um, you know, you're in recruiting, you're hiring people. Are companies still hiring? Are companies letting go of a lot of people? Because every week we're hearing, you know, Uber laid off another 3,000 people. And now there's like websites that are dedicated just for layoff lists. What, what do you think is going to happen or what are the trends you're seeing?
1: To be honest, yes. we. I think that we went through the slaughterhouse effect. Everyone saw it when they were logging into um LinkedIn in the mornings, uh, we well, having the cafecito, and he was definitely shocking. But I honestly think that we have seen the worst of it. Um, I have been, you know, paying a lot of attention to economists in in, in analysis of the stock market and about, you know trying to see the news and seeing what experts are modeling. And I honestly think that we've gone through the worst of it. I feel that, you know, we're flattening the curve in so many states right now. People are coming out of their homes. Um, In the next eight weeks might be pivotal to seeing if there's a remission and another spike, or if we're managing to flatten the curve by opening market that would instill confidence in consumers and that might get the the economy stimulated enough where there's enough demand to catch up with the supply. I believe personally this is just a prediction by looking at these models that we might see uh, things getting back to normal probably in the next three months if things go well. Um, There's definitely talk of an imminent spike of CoVID 19 happening in the fall and in the winter, and if that happens, I think companies are getting really prepared to not having to experience what we went through, so I'm very confident that by the end of the year we might have a little bit of normalcy with the economy, with demand calling people back to work. However, we have to be mindful that this is great depression era um, level of damage. And as we have known from history, this might take a little bit longer to recover from. So things might change. There might be, you know, recruiters might be hired as consultants part-time and for temporary purposes. Um, Customer service representatives might have to you know, juggle two or three part-time jobs, and companies are having still low demand. And um, you know, with working from home, there is going to be definitely a lot of more opportunity for people from areas that there might not be a lot of work necessarily to remotely transpire into areas that might be a higher demand. So it's going to be hard, but there's a few silver linings that are going to take place. So we have to keep a close eye to
0: that. Wow, yeah, that's that's really some tough news to swallow. Do you, um, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody that recently got laid off? Uh, would you advise them to like fix their resume? Would you advise them to go to school, work on projects? What do you think is the best way to position yourself to get a new career or to make something new like a, comp- a startup whatever?
1: I'm glad you asked that. And I think, yes, what I said previously might be a little bit tough news to swallow, but there's a silver linings, right? For example, if the Bay area starts spiking up more in demand for work, and we're seeing the movement of we won't work until 2021, there might be an opportunity for someone to say, um, the East Coast is an area that it doesn't have much demand to transpire over and work remotely. So that's a small silver lining. Um, my advice, and I got this from one of my mentors actually, is to stay in the conversation. So personally, when I first saw this problem happening, I thought about pivoting my career um i pondered even becoming a first responder just to see if i could help and uh then i pondered maybe turning my career into customer success because i was completely con- convinced that recruiters might be just really hard to you know be employed but it's all about staying in the conversation if you're in talent acquisition you could pivot to customer success um Or you could pivot to fintech. You know, that's definitely going to be an industry that might be necessary for, you know, advising with refinancing or advising with ways to save your money. I mean, now more than ever, people are signing up to tools like NerdWallet or Robinhood or um, even online banking like John. So I think that this is the time to go into those kinds of um, industries, staying in a conversation that matters and then continuing to network. That's another thing, you have to turn all of these applications and requests to talk about just into networking. Hey, let's talk shop. How are you holding up? I want to know what is happening in the industry. I know that I'm, I'm not with a job for a while, but I want to stay in conversation. And that is more appealing to people. That's more appealing now to recruiters and folks who are hiring managers because it's it's necessary, you know, to hop on the phone just for even your own mental sake and get the perspective of others. Um, so I think that's my best advice um, um, don't give up. Definitely um, look at every job description that you want I you know this is tedious, and match it up against your experience. You know, LinkedIn has wonderful tools in the job postings that tell you how much of a percentage are matched up to a goal. So, Leverage those things. Seek mentorship. Um, there's a lot of people like me who are out there providing advice uh, on resume and interview coaching. And I even host an AMA series uh, on a uh, Latin American community Slack channel just to help folks with this. So seek mentorship. Um, network with recruiters out there who are more than happy to help and, and give advice or resumes, pivot your career, and trend, like you know transferable um, skills. And just keep networking. You never know where conversations will land you. I mean, how I am today is different than six weeks ago, and here I am, you know, landing a gig and and, and looking towards a positive future.
0: Oh, that's 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 awesome news. I think people love to hear the positivity and that there's gonna there's a light at the end of the tunnel. What what, um, what communities or like how can somebody that you know? doesn't know about all these online um, spaces where they can interact with people like are there any 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 areas that you would recommend them to check out like you know if you're a person of color an engineer or a salesperson anything like that
1: of course uh, I highly recommend a handful of wonderful wonderful places uh, for Latinos in tech my Favorite is Tech Korea. Uh, it's a Latin tech community um, Slack. It's, it's so active and so supportive and it has really helped me. It's also open for allies. Um, so that's amazing too. Um, my African American community is definitely Uh, well represented with Afrotech. I enjoyed their events very much when I attended last year with my company. Um, A lot of my friends have told me fabulous stories of employers they've met and, and, you know, people that they have actually been able to learn from. Um, The LGBTQ community has an amazing representation out in tech, uh, which is, you know, one of like the it's one of the biggest forces that I've seen of support. And I'm so glad that it's there for um, our LGBTQ folks. You know, it's definitely, um, I, I have never seen some a community so supportive. And then um, definitely, uh, there is a lot of coalitions through um, organizations. So, for example, I have seen a lot of startups that deal with business development boot camps or um, sales boot camps in, in teaching pivoting into opening community for those who are looking for work. So definitely going on LinkedIn and Glassdoor, looking at these companies, getting in touch with their business development managers and their recruiters, um, if they're still there and asking them for pointers are what matters too. I might not there's probably like 25 or 30 more organizations that I miss. But I know that you know when I have applied this method of researching and getting out there and asking, I have found them. So
0: that's that. That's awesome. I'll check out some of those communities myself. Um, so you know, you know, we talked about how uh, everything has changed. So, how do you think, in general, how is hiring going to change for the future? Since like everything's work from home, um, there's so many more candidates out in the field right now. Has there been like a significant change in how people think when they're hiring?
1: Absolutely. I think that the number one thing that I have noticed and used to be a big pet peeve of mine is that hiring managers are taking their time to do kickoff meetings, which is very important. I have recently been part of an amazing exercise with a corporate trainer to match the values to the skills to what we're looking for and if you use a stream um, those three pointers creating a set of meaningful questions to come with you know the right way of triage and vet these candidates um i think that Companies are going to have to get a little more uh, virtual onboarding amicable. I know that that's hard because a lot of companies want to have that last step in person and and the first day matters. But there's other creative ways of using it. I think the way it's going to change is definitely on the way we're onboarded, uh, the way that we meet. We might actually start seeing a lot of shifts into, you know, less real estate in your own company, but more co-working meeting spaces where you can have like a weekly huddle, um, social distance, of course, until there's a vaccine and so on and so forth. But I think that this period of camaraderie and collaboration is going to increase because I've seen it and that's wonderful. So that is a silver lining. There's a lot of beautiful things that have changed for the better and in this community. And I really hope that we can get to explore that into this conversation to keep the hope alive.
0: Awesome. That's really, that's really good news. Now you mentioned co-working spaces, having less commercial real estate. Let's say um, for for someone that went from a nine to five full time at the office, how is their work life going to look now? um, Once, you know, everyone starts opening up.
1: Well, I worked, um, you know, work from home role for about a year and a half. So to me it wasn't that hard of a transition. I think the best way to stay sane for me was to switch my environment. Work from home can be really work from anywhere. And I made it ha- I made it really happy and really collaborative by you know Uh, creating a weekly huddle with my coworkers just to be able to like align on the ideas if we were on the same page with our hires or you know switching to a few of my favorite cafes Uh, traveling you know there's amazing airbnb options for those folks who just don't really feel comfortable with the hotels Uh, when things when travel starts getting a little more ease up to just you know be able to take a few days Dedicate your mornings or working in the afternoons or like a stroll or be able to do some social distance activities. I think also, you know, having a clean, dedicated area for work really matters. I think that is pivotal, you know, having um, your desk facing a window so you can feel like you're not looking at the home, but looking outside. Um, Just being able and communicating with the folks in your family that, you know, maybe there's one area of limits for a few hours so you can fully focus. So I think that those things are the way how things are going to change for the worker working from home. But um, there's also that amazing communication and collaboration that's going to take place from being in a comfortable place and having your ideas flow. But the key mindset is pivot from work from home to work from anywhere. So you can be able to ease up and feel a
0: little more comfortable with it. That helped me. <laughs> and did you have like any uh, growing pains when you went fully work from anywhere?
1: Yes, time zone changes. So <laughs> uh, I traveled a lot in the past year, just you know, because I'm a little travel bag, and this is definitely why I'm a little hurting during this time. Um, I definitely try to align my schedule in my sleep schedule, in my travel schedule with the timings on where my work was. So that was definitely a little bit of a growing pain. Um, Being able to be mindful of the local time of the people that I was talking to in the industry, Definitely finding a place in my home that was off limits to everyone for a few hours and was conducting my calls. Uh, Being able to position my desk in a way where I was comfortable, definitely having a window facing desk has helped me. I know that for others, having a corner where you just look at the walls, it's about your preference, right? It's about what you feel comfortable with and, and there's no such thing as a perfect answer. Secret sauce is play around with the different settings. I had to rearrange my desk four different times from the house. I decided that I work better when I do a beach vacation and I face the beach and I'm in my Airbnb and then I just go out and try to get something to eat and they try to get really relaxed for the next day. And I have also worked, uh, found out that having that mindset of always being openly communicated so when I started feeling alone, I can send a Slack to my work tribe really helped. So I had a little work tribe that I established and this is a great tip. That you know, whenever we felt that we were falling off the wagon, and whenever we felt falling out of focus, we could text each other, or slack each other, or even get in a video zoom with each other just to watch each other work that we were in the office. So that really was meaningful. It really takes a village, out
0: there. Wow. And okay, so so you mentioned that you know you would, you're, when um you're working from anywhere, you like to go to the beach. You would so. So, how does work-life balance work? Because when you're in an office, it's nine to five. As soon as five o'clock comes, you're out. You don't really like need to look at your cell phone unless work requires it to. But in this case, your office, your home is your workspace. How do you how do you separate the two?
1: Well, I would find a reasonable stopping point. Uh, in Google Calendars, there's definitely a modality where if you, uh, if a person tries to request a time past a certain time, they're immediately declined of the meeting, and that really works. It's about setting your boundaries. Um, I think that that is number one, and I, I'm sure that a lot of folks would understand right now that that matters. So setting your boundaries and discussing where those boundaries are with the folks that you speak with for work matter. If you're, you know, a parent with kids rely on your partners right now during this time to be able to pass about time to each other, come up with a calendar or a schedule, have conversations like you were having, tag ups with your coworkers about who gets the baby during the time just so you know you can be able to focus. And also <clears throat> other things that really work are um, setting up zones of the house. I have a do not entry policy in my apartment. In my, my bedroom, where my desk is, it's nobody comes to my desk. And additionally, we have to be mindful that things might take a little bit longer. So unfortunately, the downside is we have to be ready to have like a six to seven hour workday, just because things take, are taking people longer, communications being a little more, more scrappy. So while we're still setting those boundaries, stay flexible on communication. You might not put work or do projects, but you have to have that wiggle around those hour and a half, two hours at the end of the day where people are going to want to talk to you. So, setting boundaries, flexible communication seems to be working out for me so far.
0: Awesome. That's really cool. Uh, you know, this is the last question. Like, uh, do you have like any advice or any predictions for the future that you'd want to share with, uh, you know, our listeners? Uh, you know, this goes this could be anything really.
1: Um, I have advice and it's, don't give up. Um, this is a hard time. <clears throat> We're going to see really, really trying things take place in in the immediate history. But if someone like me was able to land the gigs, and so can you. And then always play the win-win game when going into an interview if selected. This has helped me change my outcome in the way I view the workforce right now. Um, you go in with a mindset that the worst thing that can happen is that you made a new professional relationship. That can be a potential introduction and you network with someone. You learned something about yourself and of the speaker. And the best thing that can happen is that you continue working your way up to an offer letter. So having that glass of full, that positivity, that stillness of understanding that things might not go the way you want, but they still can be positive. It's something that can help us keep going. Let's not be discouraged. Let's keep eyes on the present positive. These two will pass as well. There will be a better tomorrow. And it might not look the same as it used to look, but it's still going to be feeding and it's still going to be satisfactory.
0: Awesome. Really, really awesome advice. Uh, thank you again for, um, you know, talking to to us in the podcast. And, you know, have a have a great Friday.
1: Thank you, Javier. Happy Friday to you. Enjoy.